Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast. The podcast that explores the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. I have been baptized twice. Once in water, once in flame. I will carry the fire of the Holy Spirit inside until I stand before my Lord for judgment. One of the reasons why I think Fallout New Vegas is regularly one of those games that people talk about so emphatically about being the best Fallout game. And there's such a a subculture of people out there who think this is the best of the Fallout games. This one's better than the others. And then there's a few reasons specifically that people glom to this and and hold on to this concept. Um, Part of it has to do with the role playability of Fallout New Vegas. Part of it has to do with the complexity of the interconnected characters and plot lines and how well all of that is fleshed out and thought through, especially for a game that was designed and created in such a short time frame. But one of the other things that I think doesn't get discussed very much is this concept that there are these larger than life characters. There are these mythological or I guess you could say characters of mythological importance in the series And a lot of them exist in Fallout New Vegas. In fact, I don't think you come across a character quite like Joshua Graham in any of the other games in the series, or at least in the modern games in the series. There's something about New Vegas that simultaneously resonates as both more realistic, more potentially true with concepts like the NCR and the war with the Legion and the idea that you would have these different groups glomming to these different ideologies in order to fight it out and try to create a new America. There's something that's very real about that. And at the same time, there are things in new Vegas that feel like they come out of ancient mythology. And I think that has a lot to do with the nature of humanity. And that's one of the reasons why the game resonates so well with us is that All of us have one foot in reality and one foot in something else. The mysterious, the unknown, the religious, the magical. Joshua Graham is a magical figure. He is somebody who people tell stories about. And those stories get bigger. He's also known as the Burned Man. Like a burning man? Buddy bot, what are you what are you doing? <laughs> it's been so long. What are you doing here? Uh I, th- I thought I'd come back and say hi. Uh c- cool, welcome back. Um I'm in the middle of doing an episode as usual. Uh I have all these questions for you. Why don't we um why don't we talk in the middle of the show? Why don't I, why don't I continue on with Joshua Graham? And yeah, no, not like Burning Man. That's a totally different thing. Yeah, that would be weird if he was Burning Man. Like, what if he was a person and the big event in the desert all at the same time? Okay, uh, yeah, cool. Um, Yeah, you're back, uh, buddy bot. Cool. Uh, 
yeah um let's let's talk in the middle of the show you go uh go what is in that crate mm, nothing okay um you go put your stuff away and uh we'll continue uh with your stuff in the middle of the show so uh before we got uh interrupted by buddy bot's return congratulations yay buddy bot's back um let's talk about joshua graham joshua graham also known as the burned man but that gets to the end of his story, and we need to start at the beginning. Let's go back in time, back to 2246. And we're back another 20 years before the events of Fallout New Vegas, kind of like in the other episodes that we've been talking about stuff. We're in that time frame. And if we go to New Canaan, the town, the little community that actually comes up in a lot of other instances as well in some of the other stories. But Joshua Graham grew up in New Canaan. And this is another one of those things that I think is interesting because it pulls in some very real world stuff here. The community at New Canaan is Mormon. They are a real world religion, a real world faith. And this community still believes in Mormonism. Joshua grows up with the love, fear, of Christ of God, all of that stuff, all the, all the religious stuff, the quotes, everything. And some flavors of Christianity tend to be more focused towards grace. And some flavors of Christianity tend to be more focused towards judgment. Some are a little bit more balanced in the middle. Joshua is one of those people who seems to know a little bit about both. He received a call for mission work. And this is one of those things that a lot of people will will explain as being a call from God, some sort of yearning in their heart that is put there by their Lord and Savior. And he decided to go work with the followers of the apocalypse in order to help people in the wasteland, in order to help spread his faith, all of those very positive high ideals when you believe that you're doing the right thing by doing this you're putting yourself out there and imagine this situation this isn't like modern day mormonism where you put on a tie and a white shirt and you go knock on people's doors and have conversations about god this is heading off into the wasteland where they're just as likely to shoot you as they are to let you come by and have a conversation so this was a lot more risky <laughs> in this time period in the in the wasteland than it would be otherwise. So already we know something about his personality here. He's the kind of person who goes to whatever ends he needs to do in order to achieve the thing that he's setting out to accomplish. He's not dissuaded by danger. He's not thrown off the path by the potential things that could happen. He knows that he has a goal. He has a mission and he's going to follow through with it. You could say that he's very determined. His story goes on and he eventually runs into characters like Calhoun, Sallow, who eventually becomes Kaiser. And we know about one of the instances during this mission work with the followers of the apocalypse that was the most instrumental in his development. In 2247, they come across the Blackfoot tribe. There are a number of these different tribes out in the desert. And this tribe was particularly dangerous. Joshua ended up 
showing that he was pretty good at being an interpreter for these different groups. They had different dialects. Some of them spoke different languages. And this created a complexity. There was uh, some sort of situation that happens with the Blackfoot tribe. We're not told exactly what it is. And it may have been a mistranslation, a misunderstanding of something. We don't really know. But Joshua was able to adjust their response to them in order to smooth things over. He ends up working with the Blackfoots because he finds out that they're at war with seven other tribes in the Grand Canyon area and they were losing and coordinating some things with Sallow, who was Kaiser. Eventually they make some suggestions to the Blackfoot tribe. Sallow teaches them about how to care for their weapons, make explosives, work together as combat units. He trains them. And this saves the situation. This saves this this dire situation where the group, as they were traveling here, could have been just killed outright by the Blackfoot tribe. Instead, because of the things that they learn from Sallow, they actually persevere. And we haven't really discussed this very much on the show yet. This becomes the seed that the Legion grows from. And that seed was planted both by Sallow and by Joshua and came from the followers of the apocalypse indirectly. Sometimes good intentions lead to terrible things because we know where Sallow goes with the Legion. We've talked about that. But Joshua Graham's story is a little bit different than Sallow's. Joshua becomes Kaiser's most trusted man, his right-hand man, and he goes by the name Malpace Legate. Now, a legate is, we've talked about this before, is a, a specific title. And Caesar Kaiser uses this among certain people underneath him. Malpace means the Badlands. The Badlands Legate. Which is interesting, because these are, in fact, some dangerous Badlands. And almost in a foreshadowy kind of way, this kind of tells us where things are going. They spend the next few decades, and I, I think I said 20 years before. It's about 30 years, actually, from from the 2240s to the 2270s, so 30-some years. And over that time, Joshua Graham ends up being very, very useful to Kaiser. The two of them together, Kaiser's military knowledge and Joshua's ability to communicate with these different tribes expands their reach. If it wasn't for Joshua Graham in this situation, the Legion would not be nearly as powerful. And so time goes on. The NCR continues to grow. The Legion continues to grow. And we end up with the first battle of Hoover Dam. This is something the characters in New Vegas talk about all the time. The events of the first battle of Hoover Dam. And the Legion loses. Graham is commanding a specific group, the first recon, and he overestimates some of his commanding ability here. At least that's what we're told. He basically goes by the book when he moves his men forward to counter the NCR and Chief Hanlon on the NCR anticipates this and he draws the Legionnaires into a very specifically designed trap. We heard about this situation when we talked about Boone being a sharpshooter. He was on the NCR side of this specific engagement. Joshua Graham and his forces were on the other side. 
Joshua Graham's men get taken out. They retreat to Boulder City. The NCR follows. The NCR slaughters women and children. Remember this situation? Joshua Graham was the man in charge of the Legion side of this. And this was a terrible, terrible defeat. And Kaiser was not going to let that lie. We know the kinds of things that Kaiser did to his enemies and the kinds of things that Kaiser would do to his allies in order to show what it meant to fail. Well, in Joshua Graham's situation, that meant being covered in pitch and set on fire and tossed into the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon at its maximum depth is measured at 6,000 and one feet that is that's a very specific measurement i have to wonder where they got that one extra foot like they measured up one extra little boulder on the side of the edge of the canyon but what this says is that the max depth is a mile at least now did joshua graham fall a complete mile before hitting anything probably not but he probably hit the rocks on the side and rolled down a significant distance before he settled at the bottom somehow still alive. One of the things that Joshua Graham was known for, or at least the tales tell us that he was known for during his time with the Legion, and even before that, was that he was a survivor. In fact, he was hard to injure. This is one of those things that, like, how do you know that? Like, does he fall down often and sprain his ankle or not sprain his ankle in a situation where it looked like it turned sideways? You know, like, how is this a thing that somebody gets known for? More than likely, he was somebody who was of a regular disposition who survived this event. And then the story started to circulate about how he's always been somebody who was rugged and difficult to damage and all those kinds of things. That's more likely the case here. But either way, he is set on fire and tossed off the edge of the Grand Canyon and survives. This is the stuff of legend. These are the stories that people hear about and share and spread. Hey, did you hear about that guy, Joshua? No, man. Who's Joshua? Joshua Graham, the burned man. He survived. He was he was one of Kaiser's top men. He got thrown into the Grand Canyon on fire and walked away. No way. No, it's true. I saw him. He's wrapped in bandages. These are the kinds of stories that spread across the wasteland. These are the kinds of stories that inspire myth. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. It's so good to be back. I missed you. Uh, yeah, I missed you too, buddy bot. Um, so last time you left, you just kind of headed out and, uh, you didn't really say where you were going and, uh, you didn't say that you were going to be gone for like, I don't know, what's it been like a year? Well, I had some things to do. Okay. Uh, are you going to tell me about those things? Maybe. Okay, but not right now? No, I'm just happy to see you. Okay, well, that's good. Um, we'll say hi to our listeners. Hey, do you want to you wanna read out some of the patrons? 
Yeah, let's do it. Um, hi, listeners. I missed you. Uh, we have some new patrons. Um, Sam B and Chan H. Thanks for joining us on the Patreon. Yeah, um, thank you, Sam B and Chan H. And also a big shout out to our other 62 62 total, not other, so 60 other, 62 total patrons, including our Sentry Bots, Dylan R. and Leonard M. Thank you so much for your support. You guys are awesome. Guys, we're get, we're coming up on it. It's almost the end of the month again. Imagine it just it keeps going so fast. It's so fast. It's I don't know why I said imagine. Anyway, it's coming up in a week. I'm, this is Tuesday when I'm recording this. This show goes up later in the week, but... You still have time to sign up. If you sign up as a tier four or higher, you can join us on the 27th. We're going to be chatting about stuff. I don't know what we're going to talk about this week. Maybe we'll talk about the pit expansion because that came out for 76. Or maybe we'll talk about New Vegas stuff. I don't know. But if you want to sign up or if you currently are signed up, then jump on the Discord. There's a secret little room. You got to attach your Patreon to your Discord account. And you can come chat with us about what you want to talk about in just one week. The 27th, 9 p.m., Eastern was at 6 p.m. Pacific. Come come chat with us. We'd love to have you. Also, if you would like to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, then we'll read it out on a future episode of the show if it's a five-star review. And leaving just ratings is great, too. We get lots of ratings on Apple. We get lots of ratings on Spotify. But the more obviously is is helpful and continuing to get them in regularly is also helpful as well. So if you haven't done that yet, that would be huge. We would We would absolutely love it. Yeah, and I like stars. Stars are cool. Yeah, and Buddy Bot likes stars. Yeah, you can do like 17 billion stars. But it only goes up to five, Buddy Bot. Um, oh. All right, so let's move on with the rest of the show. We've got some more stuff to talk about with Joshua Graham and what happens after Kaiser tries to kill him. Here we go. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. So clearly, this did not work out the way Kaiser had anticipated. Instead of offing somebody and creating a example for the rest of his men, he has now taken one of the most capable people in his service and turned him into a mortal enemy. Somebody with a vendetta. Somebody who the stories are saying cannot be killed. I would say something like Joshua Graham has become vengeance. He's become Batman, but he has no qualms about killing the people that he needs to in order to seek justice, vengeance, like the hand of God on Kaiser and the Legion. And speaking about the hand of God, there are definitely some religious symbolism here. There is some religious symbolism here, I guess I should say. In a lot of stories, you have the death and resurrection of a character. You have kind of this Christ character. And interestingly enough, Joshua Graham's name is Joshua and Graham. Joshua, Yeshua, is another one of those names that was connected to Jesus. It's it's like a Jesus name. (laughs) And then you've got Graham, like Billy Graham, the preacher. So you've got this very religious name and you have a situation where a character dies, effectively dies to their old self and then is tossed in a pit on fire. This is similar to a death and resurrection. It's also very similar to a baptism, but instead of being baptized by water, he's baptized by flame. 
you have that symbol there. And then we also have kind of a prodigal son situation happening here too. You have somebody who leaves his quote family, his community over in new Canaan and goes off and wanders the world and then returns. And the return is epic. You have a burned survivor of falling into the grand Canyon who is able to crawl his way out. And we're told that his wounds are so severe that every day he has to rebandage himself in order to make it back to new Canaan and get the actual medical work that he needs done on him. And from that moment on, he wears bandages. He's a character that kind of looks like a walking mummy. Now, where he continued to get enough bandages to cover his entire body every single day on the way back, knowing that the wasteland is fairly empty and it's also a desert, I don't know. I, it's another one of those, like, mm, did this really happen? Or was he just lucky enough not to get infected with the current bandages that he found and wrapped himself in? We don't really know. What we do know, however, is that he had a very striking image. And the stories started to expand out into the world about the burned man and his survival. And Kaiser eventually finds out that he is still alive and puts a price on his head. The Frumentari are a specific group of like scouts and spies who work for the Legion, and they are hunting him down. In fact, He's so very good at stopping them that he has murdered many of them before they're able to kill him. And this is basically how he finds out that Kaiser knows that he's still alive. And during this time, he's still spending time back in New Canaan with the community that he was with. Until, tragically, New Canaan was brought to an end. 2281, we have the White Legs, another tribal group that was motivated, whipped into a frenzy might be the better way to say it, by Ulysses, another one of those mythical names and another interesting character we're going to have to cover in the future. And Joshua happened to be away from the city at the moment. They were motivated by the want to uh, show the Legion that they would be helpful by taking out New Canaan and specifically Joshua Graham. The survivors of this incident made their way out into the wilderness and ended up escaping to Zion Canyon. Some of the survivors ended up teaming up with some of these other tribes and working into their communities. They needed places to go. Graham takes on the role of acting war chief among the dead horses, which I think is going to be my new... uh, uh, new band. I, I don't know what kind of maybe like a Western, like a Gothic Western band. Hi, we're the dead horses. Thanks for coming to the show. So they continue to be pursued by the white legs until Joshua decides to bring God's justice to them and corners them in Zion because he, as he understands it, it's, that's a natural temple and monument to the glory of God. And God would want them punished for killing the elderly, the ill, the children, and those who stopped to help people evacuate along the way. There's a quote between the courier and Joshua Graham where the courier says, this conversation just got pretty dark. What was that about happy dashing the little ones? Joshua Graham responds, happy are those who do the work of the Lord. Zion belongs to God, 
and the people of God. It is a natural temple and monument to his glory. When our Lord entered the temple and found it polluted by money changers and beasts, did he ask them to leave? Did he cry? Did he simply walk away? No, he drove them out. It is one thing to forgive a slap across my cheek, but an insult to the Lord requires no, it demands correction. This is a dangerous combination. We see this in literature a lot. We see it in our own society. People who decide to take on this religious persona and then tweak it to justify the things that they want to be true. Let's call it like that. In Joshua's situation, it's the fact that he wants revenge. He is going to hunt down the people that are against him and, quote, the people of God based on his perspective. In a person like Joshua Graham, this becomes very effective and dangerous to his enemies. This same kind of mentality has been used for uh, since the beginning of humanity to justify the rise of power of tyrants, to justify taking from the poor in order to give to the rich. And although Joshua is somebody who started out with these positive motivations, he's somebody who is broken. He's burned Everything he cares about gets taken away over time. And all that he's left with is a rage and a justification to get revenge on the people that he decides need to be taken out. Now, this is a tricky thing because you look at the Legion and the Legion's doing terrible things. Kaiser's doing terrible things. Is an evil justification or, uh, I mean, I, I guess you could say it's totally like, if if you were to take any mainline interpretation of biblical texts, they would say that murdering people is bad. I mean, it flat out says in the commandments, thou shalt not murder. Right. I mean, it, it's no more black and white than that. Most Christians that I know would say murdering is bad. Even when something terrible like this happens, you don't return it with violence. You turn the cheek. And in that quote, Joshua Graham explains why he can't turn the cheek and offer the other cheek because some things deserve retribution, like that kind of mentality. But I think most Christians would disagree with that. But let's put ourselves again out of our current context into the wasteland. If you are in a world that is this dark and dangerous and you know the terrible things that Kaiser and the Legion are capable of doing and the things that you did while you were working with them. What ends would you go to to stop them? Is it worth doing terrible and potentially, in some situations, evil things to get a good result? Does evil plus evil ever equal good? Maybe? At least that's what Joshua seems to think here. We see this theme in a lot of movies, don't we? We see this theme in like the anti-hero, the person who's willing to go beyond what other people are able to do. And in some ways that actually makes things better. Characters like the Punisher. 
and maybe even Batman, when he gets pushed to the very edges of his morality, start to go down this road of justifying these extreme behaviors. And one of the dangers in that is that if things did work out in a way where, where somebody like uh, Joshua Graham was able to take out Kaiser and, you know, lop the head off the snake, then, yeah, that probably has some positive benefits, right? I mean, you're, you're killing the leader of a terrible, terrible group, but he's not doing it for the reasons of stopping the group. He's doing it for personal vengeance, that's a very different thing. The other thing that you need to take into this equation is that the variables don't only include Joshua Graham, the people who are coming after him, and the person that he's fighting against. There could be a lot of casualties of innocents who get caught in the crossfire. When you respond to violence with violence, the people who get hurt are never contained to just the two people committing the violent acts. There are always innocents. And if you look at the way the story starts, or at least the way, when it falls apart for Joshua Graham, it is in that moment. It's when the NCR pushes in, follows the Legion in retreat, works their way back to the place where they're hiding out and comes across Boulder City, where all the innocents are, the women, the children, the elderly, and they decide to wipe them all out. I'm not trying to get religious here. There's a lot of religious overtones in this and, and very specific details. But if you actually follow through with like Jesus's justification of anti-violence, that's the core to the reasoning there is that violence only begets more violence. And it hurts other people who are not originally part of the conflict. I think that's the core of it, at least in my perspective. <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts on all of this. Joshua Graham is an interesting character. You, you can bring him along with you. He's a companion. He's somebody worth uh, interacting with for sure. If you've played through New Vegas and uh, have the uh, Honest Hearts expansion, the DLC. Um, and if you don't, like all this stuff goes on sale a lot. The one other thing I would recommend is uh, I've been trying to play New Vegas more on my PC again, and I've downloaded all the mods that patch the game and make it more stable. And they do work some. The issue is that the game still crashes about once an hour when playing. Go pick up the like the full pack with all the DLC and play it on a console. It's going to be more reliable <laughs> something about modern windows os's and even the graphics card having like a gtx nvidia graphics card throw a kink in there so bethesda if you're listening we'd love you to update these games we'd love to play them on pc again that would be amazing you think maybe just put a little bit of work into it and then we'll all buy like the updated one kind of like skyrim that would be amazing uh, okay, thanks. Bye. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in. As usual, I'm so glad you're here and uh, Buddy Pot, welcome back. Hey, thanks. You're a real champion. That's that's what I say. I say you're a champion. That's my thing. That's um, my thing. Okay, you're a champion. Everybody, you're champions. All right, have a good week. I'll see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. To 
plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Reach out to me on Twitter at robots underscore radio. Check out the Robots Radio Rocket Club, where you can join me and a bunch of our other creators creating your podcast, starting a new podcast, or helping your current podcast grow. There's more information about that on robotsradio.net as well. And you can always talk with us and the entire community, over 2,000 people on the Robots Radio Discord. Come join us. We'd love to chat with you. See you guys next time.